like to share with you tonight. <coughs> Galatians 4, uh, 18 and 19. An interesting uh, phrase that the apostle uses, uh, particularly in verse 19. Let's read together Galatians 4, 18 and 19. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Praise God. Now, um, that uh, travail in birth is an odd thing for Paul to be saying. But uh, what I want to focus on is be formed. And be formed in you is what he was writing to the Galatians. And, and of course, uh, we know he's speaking from the standpoint of writing a letter and uh, then actually being in Galatia uh, to preach and teach and uh, see the church grow. But uh, this short letter has a lot to do, particularly with the law. He's dealing uh, with the law. And uh, so we'll take a look at that. You can be seated. God bless you. <clears throat> Birth again. Um, we know uh, the, the church was been, had been born again by uh, the teaching of, of the Lord in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews, and if he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was a, a group of 70 uh, elders uh, in uh, Jerusalem, then it's very possible that Nicodemus was a contemporary of Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul. So, uh, what Nicodemus heard in John 3 is what Saul of Tarsus would eventually experience. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and three years later, approximately, he came to bury Jesus with Joseph. Joseph, by the way, another member of that council, two of them, who were not in agreement with uh, the treatment of Jesus uh, the night before he was crucified, nor did they agree with the crucifixion, but we know God's plan coming to about. But the teaching uh, there in John 3, uh, Jesus was very adamant. He was very direct. Be born again. Be born of water and spirit. Ye must be born again. And hard to miss. And Nicodemus, being a ruler of the Jews, would understand this is what is necessary. Of course, he was a bit confused. How can a man, when he is old, be born again? He, you know, he was thinking natural birth. But the Lord said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. I'm not talking about that. He said, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And, um, and so, very strong distinction. He said, everyone that is born of the Spirit. He made reference to the wind. The wind blows. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. But you hear the sound of it. And it's important that sound 
be linked to born again. Uh, every mother who gave birth uh, heard that sound and was grateful. Uh, the new newborn uh, child uh, taking a breath and, and uh, crying out. And likewise, there's a sound when someone is born again. In the upper room, the sound of speaking in tongues of the 120 uh, were, uh, I'm sure, it was pretty loud. You get excited when the Spirit of the Lord is moving on you. Uh, when you feel His presence, it's hard to remain quiet. Thank the Lord that we're able to give expression to that praise and that worship. And then, my goodness, uh, the number of times that the name of Jesus Christ was repeated as uh, they were baptized. Amen. I wonder if, uh, uh, if they got a little creative in that. Is, okay, you ten people, you ten over here, when I say I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ, you dunk yourselves in the water. <laughs> I don't know if they were trying to speed things up or not, but can you imagine? Nine o'clock in the morning to however long it was to, uh, to baptize those 3,000. Pretty incredible. But it was the new birth born of the water and the Spirit. So now Saul of Tarsus is knocked down by a light. Uh, we, we know that darkness is powerful. Darkness brings depression. Uh, and I'm talking about spiritual darkness now. Darkness here, we've learned to cope with it. Um, I'm glad I don't live in the far north. I'm glad I live right here. And it, and we're gaining, what did I say? No, I think it's over three now. Over three minutes. I, I looked at it yesterday. <laughs> Praise God. Darkness has power. And the, the Bible tells us we've been delivered from the power of darkness. I think that's Colossians 1.14. And we've been delivered. But light has even more power. Light can liberate. Light can... Uh, illuminate the path, the way. Amen. We walk in the light as he is in the light. And thank the Lord, uh, we, we know the power of light. The voice spoke to him, I am Jesus. Praise God. And that must have been a shock, a great shock to that one God-believing Hebrew. And the voice told him, arise and go. The voice told him, it shall be told thee what thou must do. Uh, and again, uh, the Lord being very direct. Then that voice spoke to Ananias. Thank the Lord for faithful uh, servants of God. And uh, we don't hear anything of Ananias after this. But my, what a tremendous uh, impact he made on the kingdom of God as he heard the voice of the Lord, arise and go. I think that's a good thing for us to hear and a good thing for us to obey. So Saul of Tarsus uh, was named, and Ananias had some misgivings about that. Uh, I've heard about him, nothing good, and so on. But the Lord told him, he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Wow. The Lord knows names, and thank God he knows your name. So Ananias arose and went, as he was told to. And he 
saw Saul of Tarsus, and instead of uh, trembling, instead of being hesitant, he walked right in and said, Brother Saul. Now, what did that do to Saul's heart? How did that change uh, things in that hardened, calloused manner that he perhaps had towards uh, Christians who called on the name of Jesus Christ? But Ananias said, uh, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to you in the way has sent me. And he said, you're going to receive your sight, and you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he arose and was baptized. You see the two elements there, water, spirit. And it uh, obviously uh, is in uh, fulfillment of what the Lord told Nicodemus. And Paul encountered uh, Ephesian believers in chapter 19, and worked with the same two elements, water and spirit. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Well, I haven't even heard whether they're being... You know, how did they miss? They're, they're followers of John the Baptist. They apparently uh, didn't know what John said uh, as recorded in Matthew 3.11. There cometh one after me who is mightier than I. You know, quite an understatement there. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And uh, moreover, that, uh, that reference um, is seen, I think, either four or five times in the book of Acts. John is, is quoted. John is referred to. Uh, that's how strong that aspect of, uh, of baptism and the prophecy of the Holy Ghost is. So they said, we didn't even know about it. How were you baptized then? So he's checking it out water and spirit. And uh, they said John's baptism. And uh, then, of course, Paul taught them about believing on uh, Jesus Christ, and they were baptized in that name. And the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues. Now, I went through all of that. As you already know, you're very familiar with it. But I want to assure you that is sound doctrine. That's what you can share. That's what you can tell. Praise God. And that's what you can teach to others who need to receive it and uh, be born again. So birth again, as we read in Galatians. You know, I was surprised, <coughs> excuse me, I was surprised that the word doctrine does not appear even once in the book of Galatians. You'd think in those six chapters, Paul would be assuring them you know, this, the doctrine that I'm teaching you, the doctrine that I'm preaching to you, it's right, it's strong, it's of God, and so on. But it's not there. Uh, Paul definitely wrote about it and taught it, but he didn't name it. What he did name was the gospel. No other gospel. Any man, we, an angel from heaven, anybody want to change it? Let him be accursed. Now, that's pretty strong. That's pretty straightforward. And then uh, chapter 1, verse 11, this is all chapter 1. Verse 11, he says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. He certified it. He said, you ever get a certified letter? You ever have to have something notarized? I don't know if that would be, would that be certified, Brother Rick? Probably. We'll say it is. It's got that stamp. <laughs> and uh, so Paul is being very strong about 
the gospel because he wanted to contrast it with the law. See, that was the problem. The law of Moses is what I mean. You know, the ceremonial laws and, and so on that Moses taught and Leviticus is written out and, and on and on and on it goes. He was wanting to contrast the gospel, the good news, with the law. He said, the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. There was lessons to be learned. There was instances of God's faithfulness that had to be remembered and recalled. It was that schoolmaster that taught us. But he said, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. We're under Christ by faith. And that was why he emphasized gospel at the beginning of the chapter or, or the, of the book. And then he's moving into, now we're going to compare gospel, law. Which one? Let's look at Galatians 2.16. Galatians 2.16, uh, here he is emphasizing it's not the law that's going to get the job done for you that you need. We were under the law. We were, we, we, we were taught by the law. But here's what the law was trying to teach us. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Ooh, this is really upsetting the apple cart now for uh, the believers in Galatia who were so adamant and so strong about uh, aspects of the law that you had to be under. And again, uh, a, uh, a emphasis is made by, by Paul to show, no, not law, spirit. Fifteen times spirit is used in the letter to the Galatians. He said, You're sent forth, God sent forth the spirit. You received the spirit. You've begun in the spirit. The Lord ministereth to you in the spirit. You have the promise of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Be led of the Spirit. Have the fruit of the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. Emphasis again and again and again on the Spirit because they were bogged down in the law and telling everybody else, that's what you got to do. You got to keep the feasts. You got to keep the ceremonies. You got to keep the sacrifices. You got to be circumcised. All of this stuff. <laughs> Paul's humor is seen a little bit, and he said, I wish those who were troubling you about circumcision would be cut off. Uh, you, choice of words there. But he says, I travail in birth. I travail in birth. He was using an analogy, a metaphor, uh, figure of speech, allegory, whatever you want to call it. But he certainly wasn't saying a man could give birth like the nonsense that's going around in our world today crazy. He travailed in prayer. Look at Isaiah 66 and 8. <coughs> Isaiah 66 and 8, the latter part of it. For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. That travailing uh, in birth is the travailing in prayer uh, for the 
the children, the converts, uh, to come forth in the Holy Ghost. And just as Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, and we, we celebrated that at Christmas time, we go through all of those verses, the whole story, and we look at the wonder of it, the amazing fulfillment of God's promise down through the centuries. The Messiah has come. I believe the Holy Ghost wants to overshadow the church in our day, that there will be children brought forth, converts brought forth. Praise God. And, uh, and there's, there's uh, a need for many to hear the sound doctrine that we just went through about the new birth. Praise God. And not only to hear it, but experience it. Thank God. So, Paul taught diligently about law and liberty and made a strong contrast of what they needed to follow. He asked them questions. He said in 4.9, How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? That's a pretty strong contrast. 4.21, tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? And then he went on to contrast. You know, this is the part about uh, Hagar having Ishmael, Sarah having Isaac, and, and uh, the, the son of the promise. And then he contrasted the two uh, uh, covenants. And he was making an allegory here, you know, those... Uh, the son of the bondwoman, the son of the free woman, these are the two covenants that we look at. In 5 and 7, he asked, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? <laughs> and again, Paul's manner of being very direct. You need to obey the truth. And Christ be formed in you. That's what we want to emphasize here tonight. Because that's not a one-and-done situation because of our, uh, our, our sinful nature. There's got to be that continuous uh, uh, asking the Lord to be formed in us. <clears throat> Birth and life are precious. David, in Psalm 139, uh, said that the Lord covered, he said, You covered me in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And uh, he, he recognized the Lord had his hand on him right from the beginning. And that beginning in the womb, not just at birth. Jeremiah 1 and 5, um, the Lord's telling Jeremiah, you know, calling him to be a prophet and assuring him, you know, don't, don't think that you're just a child and so on. I'm going to be with you and, and, uh, and like that. But here, Jeremiah 1 and 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So the Lord's plan and uh, the Lord's direction uh, right, uh, right from the, the beginning. That's why we take such a strong stand for life. That's why uh, we, we uh, hold to uh, what the Lord created, male and female. That's why uh, family is under such a strong attack uh, in, our, in our age, in our day. And uh, that's why marriage is under such a strong attack. And, uh, and so we take a stand for those and uh, 
we want to have Christ formed in us. Now, the warning in uh, Romans 12 and 2, let's take a moment to look there, be uh, not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That transformation is important. But we also got to understand, I can't be conformed to this world. Conformed, transformed, we're not just throwing words around. We're understanding this is a lifestyle. This is what we've got to understand that the Lord wants us to have formed in us. Now, other translations uh, talk about that word conformed like this. The Phillips translation says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, you know, and to shape you and to form you and boop, 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 out come all of these same little, you know, amazing how uh, the world uh, celebrates um, individuality and non-conformity non and diversity and all of that, but you go through a mall and you're going to see everybody dressed the same, same fashions, same everything. Well, don't copy, this is the NLT, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, because you're, you're marching to a different drumbeat. You're, you're following the Lord. The Amplified says, do not be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. No, we're not, we're not going that way. Uh, instead, here's what Paul said in Galatians 6.14. Go ahead and put that up if you would, Brother Levi. Uh, he, he, he's saying, I'm not going to conform to this world. I'm going to crucify it. And it's a, it's a double death. He says, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. He's making sure it's a, a situation where there's not going to be any uh, uh, life or influence that would uh, pull you into that worldly aspect again. No, you're going to follow the Lord. And John, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, he deals very strongly with uh, this aspect of, of the world, just like Paul did. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's not a coexistence. There's not a combination. There's not a blending here. This is one or the other. And um, he, he goes on, verse 16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, here's why we're to avoid that uh, affection and desire and lust and so on for the things of the world. The world, verse 17, the world passes away. You're going to be left with emptiness if you focus on the things of the world. Focus on the things of God, you're going to abide forever. The world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God 
abideth forever. Praise God. Oh, that's the choice. You know, delayed gratification is uh, an interesting study. Um, you know, they, uh, I don't remember all the details now, but uh, in a classroom, they said, um, you can have one piece of candy now, and then you'll do the work, or you can do the work, and you'll get two pieces of candy when you're done. It was delayed gratification. And uh, it was interesting that the, the, the children that took the one piece of candy before they did the lesson um, didn't do that well. The ones who were anticipating twice the reward did better. Huh. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> but I think what it means is you got to look ahead and recognize there's something worth reaching for. There's something worth holding off for. Praise God. And that's what John, I think, is trying to get at. So think about synonyms for the word transformed. I don't mean the transformer little mechanical things that kids play with. It comes out to be something else. No, I see those ads uh, on the computer, and I think, all of those things are scary. <laughs> How can a kid be enjoying that kind of stuff? Transformer, I'm talking about. But think about what, what the synonyms for transformed are. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Born again. That's that, that new start. Praise God. A new beginning. Changed. Made new. Um, uh, let's go through some of the uh, translations again that have that, that phrase or word transformed. The Amplified. Progressively changed as you mature spiritually. The Living Bible. Be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do. Ah, plain and simple. The message, uh, the message can get pretty weird sometimes. <laughs> Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Ah, I can underline that one. Amen. That's good. By the renewing of your mind. The devil wants to blind your mind. He wants to blind your heart. Uh, that the scripture says that in both areas. Because he knows it takes the heart and the mind to serve God effectively. Can't just do it. You know, uh, oh, it's Sunday. I've I got to go to church. And uh, for an hour, there's a, a focus on the things of God, and then the rest of the week is in the toilet as far as uh, living for God. No, no. Your heart and your mind obviously are with you all the time. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's why uh, you, you renew that mind. You've got different thinking. You've got a different focus, different direction. And that's why the devil wants to take it away from you. Um, remember that lawyer in Mark 12 who said, uh, Lord, what must I do? You know, to be good. And uh, uh, what must I do to be saved and so on? 
And the Lord gave him the answer, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That's pretty comprehensive, pretty involved. In other words, everything you've got, give it to the Lord and purpose that's how you're going to serve him. That's how you're going to live for him. Praise God. And uh, the devil knows that. That's why he wants to do away with it. Okay, look at Romans 8, 5, 6, and 7. Here's a contrast again, a contrast of the flesh and the spirit, the contrast of carnal and spiritual. And, uh, and those are the choices that we have to make, okay? Verse 5, they that are after the flesh do mind, there's that mind, the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Big contrast now. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's why born again is so important. A new start. You can't, you can't just do it because you wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm going to obey the Bible. Well, that, that's a good choice, a good decision. But there's a process that you enter by being born of the water and of the Spirit and then being immersed in the Word of God and being faithful to the house of the Lord, and not only to the house of the Lord, but to your daily growth in the Lord and all, all that it involves. Praise God. And then, what tremendous power the Lord is going to reveal. So, the Spirit helps us to be spiritually minded. Not a switch that we throw and say, oh, time to be spiritually minded. <coughs> you, can, you can attempt that, and that's good. But to receive the help of the Spirit is uh, essential to be able to work with that. Otherwise, you're going to slip right back into the carnal mind aspect again. And, and we struggle with that anyway, even with the power of the Spirit, because that's our nature. But we take on the divine nature. That's why, uh, look, let's look at 2 Peter 1 and 4. <coughs> Sorry, I'm having, having some troubles here with 2 Peter 1 and 4. Exceeding great and precious promises. Really? By who? The politicians? By government? No, no, no. These are divine. These are from Jesus Christ. These are from the power of God. That by these you might be made partakers of what? Of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Praise God. That's that crucifying the world, and, and I'm crucified uh, unto the world. Praise God. So these promises and being a partaker of the divine nature, wow, our carnal nature is changed. 
and we are transformed. Now, <clears throat> the mind of Christ is um, seen in Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so our, our, our whole mind is changed. 1 Corinthians 2.16, again, the mind of Christ. Who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Now, who's going to tell the Lord, you ought to do it this way, you ought to do it that way, and so on? No, we have the mind of Christ. Praise God. So, that renewing of your mind, we have his blood, we have his name, we have his spirit, we have his word. Praise God. And that brings us into his mind where we find his plan, his purpose, his presence, his provision. Praise God. It just continues on with all of the aspects that he desires to provide for us. And that protection, uh, that protection is very, uh, very essential um, in our uh, in our humanity, we, we worry, we're, we're anxious, we're distressed, we're all of those things. And that's why Philippians 4 and 6 says, be careful for nothing. You know, that's not, that's not saying be carefree, be foolish, be you know, crazy with your money and all of that kind of stuff. No, he's saying don't worry. Don't get upset. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Pray about it. Praise God. Bring it to the Lord. Put it, put it before him. You know, I like the way uh, Isaiah wrote about Hezekiah getting that letter that Rabshakeh wrote to him then you are not going to survive. Look at all the other countries that we've conquered, all the other gods that they had. You think your God's going to deliver you? Hezekiah took that letter to the temple and let the Lord read it. That's what we need to do. Lord, look what's going on. <laughs> and he knows. But, but uh, we, we need to bring it before him. And then here's the protection in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind. Other translations say he's going to guard it. He's going to protect it. Praise God. Our heart and our mind. That's, that's, that's how we need to serve God. And so the Lord's going to protect us in those aspects by his peace and by his power. Amen. And uh, thank the Lord that there is that protection. Now, here, here's a real important warning in, in uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, We're talking about transformation, all the glory of it, all the beauty of it, all the wonder of it. Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. Hmm. Now, I wondered, I, I've read this many, many, many times, but recently I wondered, why an angel of light? Why does he transform himself into something else? 
something powerful, something uh, incredibly huge and evil to intimidate and terrify, you know, all of these kinds of things. Why an angel of light? Because light has power more so than darkness. And we are to come to the light and walk in the light and live in the light. And so, deceitfully, he's trying to draw us away from the true light. Jesus declaring three times in John that he is the light of the world. Praise God. In the temptations that we read about of Christ in, in Matthew 4, uh, if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And then he became an angel of light. He quoted Psalm 91:11. Cast yourself down. He'll give his angels charge over thee, lest I dash thy foot against a stone. He's quoting scripture. That's what he does. He tries to be an angel of light to, to deceive you and to trick you. And, and then he parroted the Lord who said, it is written. Now he's saying it. It is written. And then he quotes from Psalm 91. That's transforming, him, transforming himself into an angel of light. Then his true purpose came forth. He showed the Lord all the kingdoms of the world, and I'll give you these if you'll fall down and worship me. Now, he doesn't have power to give anything as far as, you know, that sort of thing. That's why his temptations are so empty. He, he tempts you with one thing and does a switch and gives you something else, and usually far less satisfying or fulfilling than what he initially promised. And uh, people are deceived over and over again. He promises to give, but what he delivers never satisfies, never what is expected. Now, the problem becomes personal. You back up to verse 13, and Paul is warning about false apostles and deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Uh-oh. Now we've really got to be on guard against these uh, types of situations. And, um, and that's what uh, Paul was writing uh, to the Galatians about, is what he's writing to the Corinthians, and all the other letters that he wrote. Jesus warned about false prophets. He warned about uh, uh, the people that are going to come and, and say they've done different things in his name. But what did he say about knowing them? How are you going to know them? How are you going to identify them? By their fruit. What they put out. It's going to be obvious. It's going to show that it's not in line with the will of God or the word of God. That's why we've got to be so immersed in the word of the Lord. Peter, uh, in the, the last chapter, the last few verses of his second letter, uh, he commends Paul with his writings and so on. And then he warns about those who rest 
the scriptures. They'll, they, they'll twist it. They'll, they'll change it unto their own destruction. That's not a good outcome. Not a good direction. Not a good uh, possibility. We've got to make sure we're following what the Lord says. So be formed. Let Christ be formed in you. And you're thinking about being formed, it's hard not to think about a potter. Anybody ever do work with clay? My uh, class in college, or art, I'm not artistic at all. But we had to do three projects, three projects with clay. We had to do a pinch pot, had to do a coil pot, and we had to do a slab. And, uh, and so they looked like they were made by a fourth grader for sure. But it was interesting working with that stuff because it'll, it'll become whatever you shape it to be or whatever you try to make it to be. <laughs> but those who are expert at pottery, amazing amazing shapes and forms and fashions that they become. The Lord is the expert. The Lord told Jeremiah, go to the potter's house in Jeremiah 18. So he went to the potter's house. He's standing there watching him. The potter's got the wheel going full blast. He's shaping it. He's working with it. And then all of a sudden, it's marred. I don't know if there was a stick in the clay or a stone or... Um, a piece of hardened uh, material, whatever it was, it didn't work. What did the potter do? Threw it out? No. He watered it up, and he started over, started making it again. And the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, can't I do that with Israel? Can't I shape and form my people again? You know, the idolatry, the... Uh, the terrible lifestyles, uh, the, the uh, Babylonian captivity, all of the mess that Israel had made for themselves. The Lord is saying, I can make you again. You know, stay on the wheel. Let my hands be on you. And, and we know today those hands are nail scarred because of his love that he displayed on the cross for you. And uh, we, we want those hands to, to shape us. But we have to submit to that. You know, the Bible talks about the clay saying, why would you make me like this? Why would you form me? No. We say, Lord, I want your will. I want to be shaped. I want to be formed. I want to be what you want me to be. Praise God, because he's making us for spiritual work, both for our benefit and for others that we testify to and let them know. Look at Isaiah 64 and 8. <coughs> Isaiah 64 and 8. Uh, Isaiah makes a very strong proclamation of his relationship to the, north, of, to the Lord. Now, O Lord, thou art our Father. 
We are the clay, and thou our powder. We are, we all are the work of thy hand. So the relationship, father, potter, the work of your hands. Uh, he, he's wanting it to be sure and strong. Lord, you're in charge. We're the work of his hands, not the world conforming us, not the world shaping us and molding us, but what he wants us to be. Praise God. And we back up to verse 6 of Isaiah 64, and we see the reason that it's got to be this way. Because we have a problem. We have a major problem. We have a problem that we can't fix. We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, our, our sins, our wrongdoing, like the wind, have taken us away. We've, we've just been we're just blown away, not in a good way. <laughs> we use that phrase, blown away, when we're impressed, when we're you know, just overwhelmed. But blown away like garbage, like trash. No, that's, that's not what the Lord wants us to be. He wants to be our Father. He wants to be our potter. He wants to make us the work of his hands. Praise God. And then, back up to verse 4 in that same chapter. And, and you'll, recognize, uh, you'll recognize this promise. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eyes seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Recognize that? 1 Corinthians 2.9. Yep. Paul writing to the Corinthians. We love him. We wait for him. We're allowing him to form us according to his will. And uh, we go back to the text that said, Be zealously affected always in a good thing. That's, that's good advice. It's a good thing to follow. Praise God. And um, that, that's where we want to be zealous. Praise God. Always, not just one hour a, a week. Always in a good thing. Praise God. And the Lord is that good thing for us. Now, um, one last uh, one last passage, Romans 12.1, or 12.11, rather. <coughs> it, um, it almost is making reference, or seemingly making reference to uh, work, to employment, you know, to business. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It, it all has to do with our relationship with the Lord. Now, obviously, you got to be a good employee. you got to work for your pay and all of those things because that's part of your testimony. But here's what it means. The Amplified, never lacking behind in diligence, a glow in the Spirit, enthusiastically serving the Lord. The uh, Common English Bible, 
Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the Spirit as you serve the Lord. I like that one. Be on fire. Praise God. There's excitement with fire. There's warmth with fire. There's light with fire. Praise God. And, um, and the Lord uh, wants that for us. So it's a good thing, a good thing to have Christ formed in you. And that's what Paul was trying to get the Galatians to understand, get all of us to understand that uh, this is what we're to focus on. This is how we're to live. So, New Year's resolutions, <laughs> good intentions, all of those things. Uh, let's let Christ be formed in us even more in this year. See, and that's the exciting thing is there's, there's always more I can experience in the Lord. There's always more of his promise that I can receive. You know what I noticed in uh, just the, the, the readings uh, about Abraham here the last few days is how the Lord told him the promise several times. It wasn't just one time in, in Genesis 12. He repeated it again, and then he repeated it again. And I think he even told him a fourth time, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. What was he doing? He was reminding Abraham of the purpose. Don't get weary of wandering around out here in the desert. Don't get tired of, of living in tents. Notice, no, I'm going to fulfill my promise for you. And uh, Abraham, we know, had human characteristics. Uh, and and he, uh, he showed, he showed uh, his failings, just like we are going to mess up sometimes. But what we need to do is keep looking at the promise. Keep your eyes on the promise. Keep letting them be fulfilled in your life. Let Christ be formed in you again and again. Praise God. Clean up the junk that the world is trying to press on you and conform you. Be transformed. Let your mind be renewed. Let the power of the Spirit come in and take even greater uh, control and blessing. Amen. In every aspect of our living. And every day of the year. Praise God. And uh, thank the Lord. He, he'll, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. you know, that's, uh, the, those are the promises that are there. And, and the Lord you know, passed it on uh, to Isaac. Passed it on to Jacob. And thank God we can pass it on to our children. Thank God. And, uh, and uh, the light of, of his word and, and his experiences that he brings to us become even more powerful. Stand with me, if you would, please. <coughs> Let there be a fervency. Let there be a glow. Let there be a flame, praise God, in our determination to follow the Lord and um, be uh, renewed in him, the renewing uh, that um, he desires to, to bring. David, uh, David prayed that prayer when he messed up, and, um, and uh, the prophet came to him and told him a story, 
that infuriated David, and, and the prophet said, you're that man. Whew. Pretty strong. And to David's credit, he repented before the Lord. He didn't slay the prophet. He didn't, you know, just nobody's business but mine. Bathsheba's coming into the palace with me, you know, and that sort of thing. No, his prayer in Psalm 51 is a classic. Create in me. Mm. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a right spirit. Cast me not away from your presence. Keep not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. We got to keep being renewed. Let's love the Lord here for just a few minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I glorify your great name. Oh, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, What a blessing you are. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. As they sing the chorus, let's come to the front here for just a little bit. We're having our fellowship downstairs. Looking forward to that. But let's let the Lord touch us here. Let the Lord touch us again. Praise God. The blessings of the Lord that are real. I thank God that we can know his power and goodness. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Oh, yes, let's let the Lord have his way. Touch your heart. Draw you closer to him. Be blessed in his presence. Oh, yes, Lord, you're the potter. I'm the clay. Hallelujah, hallelujah.